Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Amnest Inside Cricket. As promised in this interlude between the test matches, we're going to run the full-length interview with Steve Smith today that I did a couple of weeks ago. Just before we do that, just another reminder about the programme this Friday, starting this Friday, the last hour an online radio show looking at the test match, looking back at the day and looking ahead and and also reacting to exciting moments in the last hour's play. I'm doing that with David Gower and you can get to it by going to www.thecricketer.com. There'll be a link there to listen. We've got some guests on, including Ramiz Raja and Angus Fraser, and hopefully one or two other quite interesting people as well. Dean Headley's promised to come on. So uh, we'll get plenty of quite interesting opinion about the game of cricket. So you go to thecricketer.com and access that from 5.30pm every night of the following test match, the third test at the Aegeus Bowl between England and Pakistan. Now, as I say, I interviewed Steve Smith a couple of weeks ago, and the reason for interviewing him really was partly because I know he's coming over here to, to play against England, of course, in the one days and the T20s coming up in early September but also because it's 10 years since he made his test debut. It was an odd debut, actually. It was at Lords for Australia against Pakistan. They played two tests here in the summer of 2010 because they weren't able to play, obviously, at home. It was soon after that bomb attack against the Sri Lankans in Lahore. And so the Pakistanis played a couple of test matches in England. The first one was Steve Smith's debut. He made a fairly inauspicious debut. He scored just one run batting at number eight and bowled his leg breaks and took a couple of wickets in the Pakistan second innings, but he certainly gave no indication of the phenomenal player he was about to become. So my first question to him was, what sort of cricketer was he at that stage? I was um, a bit of everything, really. I <clears throat> I remember, obviously, post Shane Warne, they were looking for a spinner to, to fill that void. Um, and I happened to end up being one of the probably, I don't know, 11 or 14, 11 to 14, I don't know how many guys we used, um, blokes passed him before obviously Nathan Lyons come along and, and taken that spot with, um, with both hands. I've, I've, I've always been more of a batter than a bowler. Um, and I just remember playing for, for New South Wales and they wanted to sort of drop me down the order and just to focus on my bowling because they thought, you know, that's my way into the Australian side. And... So I started, you know, I was batting a little bit lower. I think I was down at number six and uh, maybe even seven and eight for a few games at some point just to, to, to work on my bowling, really. 
um, which you know I, I didn't really like at the time because all I wanted to do was bat. That was that was probably my I guess undoing as a um, as a bowler, particularly a leg spinner. I think you need to work so so hard and um, you know rigorously in the nets on your on your bowling. And all I wanted to do was just bat in the nets and then <laughs> come out and bowl in the game every now and again. <laughs> so I was kind of forced to bowl in the nets. And then yeah, that's how it, how it all started. And then played my first two tests, got dropped, and then I thought. Right, what's my... Um, oh, actually, not at that stage. I, and then I sort of carried on just doing a little bit of um, bits and pieces, um, working on both, but kind of not devoting all my time to one or the other. Then I played the three tests in 2010-11 against England, batting at six and bowling a little bit. And then, yeah, got dropped at that stage and it was like, right, what do I do? I think I need to either go down the spin bowling option or go down the batting option. And for me, that was a pretty easy answer. Um, you know, like I said, I've always just loved batting and um, I felt like I was a bit, I was starting to find a formula that could work. So I wanted to just focus all my hours in the nets on, on my batting and, and my fielding when I needed to um, and just not let the, I guess, the burden of bowling sort of get in my way. Um, like I said, you've got to bowl so many hours in the nets being a leg spinner. So it was focusing on that. And, yeah, I think it was probably, looking back now, one of the better decisions I've made. What was that formula then? Because I know, you know, when you were sort of 16, you, you or even, you know, younger, you spent a lot of time, I think, with your father, didn't you? And to a lesser extent, Trent, Trent Woodhill just honing a method so in a way, was the formula you discovered sort of almost going back to what you used to do as a kid? For me, it was, it was not trying to, to please anyone and just finding my way to play. So I remember Trent Woodhill, who I worked with for, for a few years there, probably between like 16 and I think I had a hit with him, I reckon, when I was 20, 21 as well. And I remember him saying to me, he was, he was throwing me balls and I hit a ball off, off stump straight down the ground and he's like why don't you just hit that through the leg side and I was like I don't know that's kind of it's textbook almost to hit a ball on off stump kind of straight down the ground why why do I hit it to the leg side and I think he, I remember him saying something like why don't you just hit it where the fielder isn't essentially um you know you've got both options you can hit the ball straight or you can hit it to where the fielder isn't and you know that's batting isn't it you, you're trying to hit the gaps and batting is about scoring runs so why play a ball that's on middle stump to mid on and hit it straight to mid on why don't you whip it through mid wicket for for four you know like so it was it was finding the the sort of balance um but at that stage I was also working a lot of my defense that was really important to me um knowing where my off stump was leaving the ball I used to have a bit of a, a different setup I used to tap my bat just before um the bowler bowled the ball and at that stage, I think my head was kind of dropping, um, so my eyes weren't level, uh, my balance wasn't quite right, so I started to just hold the bat up. Um, everything just sort of felt a lot better. I, I, was, I had my eyes level and, and everything, and I, I just felt, I don't know, a lot more stable at the crease. And I was batting on middle stump at that stage, um, like I'd done pretty much for my whole career. And then, yeah, it wasn't until you know, I got another opportunity playing for Australia. I, I played, I think, the whole Ashes over in 
England um, where I just batted on middle stump and um, played the way I had been playing. And then we came back home for the Ashes series here and played the, the same way the first two tests and then got to the Wacker. And um, I remember Stokesy and, and Brody in particular were bowling a fair bit back of a length and quite short at me. And I, was, I just wasn't getting myself in a good position. So I, I just randomly decided, you know, I'm going to take middle and leg stump and I'm just going to have a little shuffle and put some weight on my back foot and um, get myself in a better position. And so I started doing it and, you know, they pitched a few balls up and I hit some nicely down the ground and a couple of short ones I was getting out of the way and I was, I was pulling them and everything just sort of clicked into place. I thought, geez, this is, um, why, why have I waited so long to do this? Um, and that over yeah. time's got a little bit bigger and bigger, my, my prelim movement, but, um, you know, I, I know my, my game and I know where my stumps are now that, you know, I'm able to get myself in a position where I'm comfortable in the way I'm playing and um, sort of able to, to dictate terms at times. And, um, yeah, it's sort of progressed over the years and there we are. I was wondering whether this was a calculated formula for making runs, as in there are less fielders on the leg side and the average ball from a right-arm bowler is angled in towards the stumps and the natural side to hit it is the leg side anyway. So I was going to ask whether it was more of a, a calculated thing or whether it was a natural thing for you to do or whether it was a bit of both. Not really. I was kind of... The way I would go across my stumps and get to where I get to, I, I basically know that anything outside my eye line is not hitting my stumps. So... That's a, that's a start, so I can just leave anything outside my eye line. And then basically mm. it's like, if the ball's on my stumps, use my bat. If it's, if it's um, you know, if I'm missing it, I'm probably in some trouble, but I'd back myself to hit the ball, you know, 99 times out of 100, hopefully. And every now and again I'll miss one and I'll say, well done, bad, <laughs> bad luck, Steve, um, we'll move on. But, yeah, I think it's, it's just about finding a formula that works for... For me, and mm. I think that's the same with any individual. I think the game would be boring if everyone batted the same, you know. So find what works for you. Obviously, I think in the longer forms of the game in particular, a good defence is really important and being able to be, like, disciplined and patient and things like that. A, a, a good defence is really important. But, um, yeah, just finding a formula that allows you to score runs and, mm. and that you're comfortable with and... Yeah, just do it to the best of your ability, I guess. People have sort of said you're unorthodox and everyone else is orthodox, but perhaps it's the other way round, actually. Perhaps you are the orthodox method because you're hitting the ball where there aren't fielders, which is the, the purpose of batting. Well, that's it. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's orthodox or unorthodox. You know, I just, <laughs> I just do me and um, do it to, to the best of my ability. And, you know, I've, I've learned a lot over the years and got you know, more experience the more I've played and understand, you know, different tempos of the game and, you know, when to up the ante, when to, um, you know, rein it back in. And I think one of the, the best things that I've sort of learned over the years is also catching my thoughts. You know, I think the mental side of the game is probably 90% of the game. Um, so being able to catch my thoughts, you know, like there's sometimes out in the middle where, you know, I might be facing someone and I feel in a good good rhythm and it's like, I just want to smack this bloke back over his head. But then 
being able to catch it and go, right, um, you know, that's not the, the right thing to do right now. Yes, I, I, you know, I might be able to do it nine out of 10 times, but what if it's the 10th time and things don't work out? I'll be sitting back in the sheds and I'll be angry at myself for playing some stupid shot. So put your head back down and, and concentrate on the next ball. And um, yeah, I think that's one of the things I've been able to learn over time is, is catching my thoughts and stopping you know, myself from giving into urges to, to play different shots and things like that. I've studied um, Bradman's method a bit and, you know, there have been comparisons made, certainly in terms of performance with you and Donald Bradman, which I know are very uh, flattering. To, I'm sure you find those flattering, but um, there are similarities in the way that you play as well. Are, have you um, watched video of Bradman or read about him much? No, I, I really haven't watched much at all on on Bradman. Um, obviously, a fair bit before my time. Um, but yeah, look, he obviously had a method that that worked for him, and um... he tended to get outside off stump and hit as a lot a lot through the leg side. And he played that swivel pull shot, which which you do as well. And um, it, it, you know, he also kept the ball on the ground pretty much. Um, played it very late. Look to you know make the bowl a bowl kind of where he wanted to I suppose, and uh, but but I, I, and also he had that sort of slightly circular batting motion as well in his back lift. But but you're saying all that's just coincidence. Maybe then the fact that it's coincidence proves that it works. Yeah, I don't know. I reckon I got the um, the sort of go out with my hands and the and the bat probably from from Mark Wall more than anyone. He was he was probably the. The person I um I love watching as a kid, and um you know he sort of used to bring the bat out and round. So you know your your hands kind of um you get in that sort of muscle memory, and it's hard to change that kind of thing from from when you're young. So um I guess that's where it probably started for me, and just sort of carried on doing it. You know, you've really replaced Shane Warne as someone fascinating to watch, who you know manages to find a way of in his case, a way of taking wickets and in your case, a way of making runs and frustrating everybody who plays against you because everyone's trying to find... Are you aware of the kind of frustrations that you give, sort of nightmares that you give fielding sides? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I hear things here and there, but, um, you know, that's my job to to score runs and, you know, if I'm causing other teams nightmares, that's, that's probably a good thing for... For my team, so yeah, long may those nightmares continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, j- j- I mean, you, you know, you've had a, a, a tremendous career already, 10 years of, of, of fantastic performance. Um, obviously, you had that low period um, after Sandpaper Gate when you were suspended for a year. Tell me about um, your engagement with Dr. Morris Duffy and how he helps you sort of regain your desire to play and, and confidence again. The big things, I guess, that Morris has helped teach me was what I touched on before about just catching my thinking. You know, that's the the key sort of um, thing that I guess I've taken out of, of our relationship. He had me doing this thing where you write down everything. Um, so for 10 minutes, you just sit there and whatever's on your mind, you just write. So you see where your mind's at. You see what, um, you know, what's going on in there. And you're brutally honest with everything you write down. So... You sort of, yeah, you just see where your thinking is at that present time. So, yeah, I was able to, to see where my mind was going and um, and things like that. So, 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing was was just being able to, I guess what came of that at the same time was, was what I was talking about, just being able to catch my thinking um, while I'm doing it and, and then being able to make a decision from there because every decision we make has, has a consequence, you know, good, bad, ugly, whatever. So, yeah, making sure that, you know, in life and in, in cricket, I'm making good decisions consistently. Is it a question of almost taking a deep breath before you do something, really? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, that's certainly part of it, yeah. But sometimes you don't have the, the time to, to do that either, you know. You, you just have to, I guess, try and slow it down as much as you can and, you know, mm. play on instinct a bit at the same time and just trust it. How do you relax? What, what, um, what things do you do that, that help you? Say you're in the middle of a test series like last summer, the Ashes. I mean, how can you... And, and is it important to, to try and, you know, detach yourself? I try and switch my brain off. Easier said than done. I actually do a lot of my visualisation while I should be sleeping, uh, to be honest, um, which is... Uh, yeah, because you said, actually, during that Ashes series, you, you had a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, so, it's all, um, all positive that's, that's what, sort of rehe- that's rehearsal, is it? That's Pretty sort of much, thinking yeah. about your game. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about... Brody running at me with, um, you know, three slips, point, mid-off, looking at where my, my options are to score, how he's looking to get me out, you know, like all positive stuff. And, you know, if anything negative pops in, I, I let it go as quickly as possible. But, you know, it's not the right time to be doing it while I should be sleeping, but um, it probably adds up as the series goes on. For me, I just try and relax. You know, I like to... To just chill, watch a movie, um, play a bit of guitar. That takes my mind off things. Um, you know, if my wife's with me, I'll you know go out to dinner or just chill and get some room service and watch a movie with her or a TV series or something. Um, yeah, I just try and I try as much as I can to switch my mind off the game, but sometimes it just creeps in and keep thinking about it. Um, is there anything that you've done recently? Um, sort of charity work or, you know, engaging with people outside the game that sort of helped you get a perspective? I've been working with an organisation called Gotcha for Life, um, talking about mental health, um, particularly with men and, and young men. I think it's, um, you know, I know here in Australia the, the suicide rates are, you know, six men, two women a day committing suicide and, you know, those rates are a staggeringly high for 25 million people and no doubt this uh pandemic probably um you know isn't doing that any those numbers any favors either so yeah trying to create an awareness around mental fitness and particularly with blokes being able to talk about you know what they're going through um it's kind of been a you know that old school sort of mentality that that blokes you know just get on with it mate you'll be fine and bottling things up and um for me I think you know that's that's the wrong way to do things I think blokes in in this day and age should be able to talk about what they're going through um get things off their chest because you know the more you don't talk about things that you're going through it sort of just bottles up and gets to a point where the bubble just bursts really um and you know when it gets to that point you're, you're you know you're hurting people around you that care about you and things like that so you know we go out to Gus and I go out to schools and 
and talk to young kids. You know, it could be an audience of 20, it could be an audience of 1,200 and just get these kids um, engaged and, um, you know, finding, finding for them it's about finding someone to, to talk to, um, you know, whether it be their parents or, you know, a friend at school or, um, you know, a professional, whatever it is you know, just being able to talk and get things off their chest and sort of know that everything's going to be okay. And I know when, when you're going through dark times, like you feel like everything's just closing in on you, you get that shortness of breath and everything just feels um, awful. But, you know, time sort of heals things and the more you can just get through it and, and keep working and, and talk about it, um, you certainly start feeling better. So it's been um it's been good working with Gus and just getting you know a bit of a a different perspective and yeah create trying to create that awareness around mental health and and fitness clearly at some point you're going to end up in a a, a very important captaincy role you know obviously the IPL is a first step to that so all this will probably factor in really healthily and helpfully to to a sort of future as a as a captain again, and I'm not saying you you want to be captain now. You know, you, you, Tim Tim Payne's in charge, and you know he's obviously doing an excellent job. But I guess it will make you a more rounded character to, to be a captain in future. Like you said, Tim's doing a, a terrific job. So is Aaron Finch. So it's it's really not in in the front of my mind at the moment. You know, I'm just comfortable playing and enjoying playing. Um, you know, I'll captain Rajasthan and. And do the best I can for, for, for Manoj and, and all the team there. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But, you know, international-wise, you know, I'm not, I'm not really thinking about it. I'm just, just playing, enjoying it and, you know, just, just loving it. Quick fire round. Five quick questions and then we're done. If you had um, a dinner with three special people you could invite, apart from your wife, who would you love to invite? And it could be dead or alive. Or just one, if you want. Jeez. Uh, we'll go with Sachin Tendulkar. Book you'd take on holiday? I just finished reading A Ride of a Lifetime, the story of um, Robert Eager, the uh, Disney boss. Yeah, it was a fascinating read. I, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably read it again at some stage. Okay. But, um, yeah, great read. Song you relax to? Song I relax to. Um, I've got a bit of a... A routine, actually. Um, if I if I'm listening to music before I get to the ground, if I'm if I'm just on the way to the ground or whatever, and I'm listening to music, I always play one song last um, before I get off the bus, and that's uh, Twenty Three by Jimmy Eat World. Why I don't really know, but it's sort of I just started doing it probably five years ago, and it's just become a bit of a thing. But I don't have to listen to music. I'm not kind of like that but if I do I make sure I play that as my last song favourite film Shawshank something you always have with you apart from your phone I'll say now my guitar that's probably changed over the years I've only been playing for two years but yeah I like to have my guitar with me everywhere now and how did that start in the year that I was banned I kind of um, thought you know I need to to do something, um, I want to do something a bit different. So I want to either. I thought about learning a language. I, st- I started learning Mandarin for a couple of uh, sessions on Duolingo, and uh, it was a bit much for me. So I thought, geez, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going down that path. Um, 
because I remember, I remember reading a book a few years ago, I think it was called Industries of the Future, and it said um, things that you should teach your, well, your kids should, should learn uh, was Mandarin and um, coding, the computer. So I thought, um, why not start learning Mandarin? I lasted about two sessions and I was like, nah, no good. So, um, so I, sit, I thought, why not start playing guitar? So got into that and got through the first couple of weeks, which is always hard, um, bit of a sook with my fingers. So it, it hurt um, for a couple of weeks and then hardened up and got the calluses and good to go now. I can play for hours. And, and what are you? What sort of guitarist are you? Are you a, an Ed Sheeran type or uh, uh, Joe Walsh, you know, going for the big solos or <clears throat> you're a bit more of a strummer? No, nah, a bit of Ed Sheeran stuff I've, I've tried to play. I'm learning a song at the moment, This City by, I think it's, what's his name? Sam Walker, maybe? Yeah, actually, it's quite it's, a popular song. Actually, it's, it's quite nice and easy to learn guitar now, isn't it? Because you can just follow the music on an iPad and get the chords and stuff. Or do you actually, you know, practically do, do you experiment? I can't read music. I have no idea. So, mm. you know, I go on... Um, you know, you can go on YouTube and get some, some lessons just watching people or mm. Um, mm. Ultimate Guitar, I think, is the app I use where it just tells you what chord it is and stuff. So I know the chord and, and what time to play it and along with the lyrics and stuff. So that's been nice to, to use that. Um, and, and, I mean, lockdown, you would, would you say that your guitar playing and maybe your running have been the two things that you've been able to improve on, you know, if you had to say lockdown's giving you one new skill, what would that be? Would it be one of those? Yeah, I think, yeah, long distance running and, and probably strength. Um, I certainly feel I've sort of had a bit of a home gym set up downstairs where I was able to just pop down and, you know, pump out some weights and, um, yeah, I'm probably the strongest I've ever been. So, you know, I guess that's one positive, I guess, out of the, the whole situation that's gone on in the world at the moment. That's ominous for the world's bowlers. Um, and uh, IPL, Rajasthan Royals, your captain, it's got to be time after the Royals won the first ever IPL in 2008. It's got to be time they won it again, hasn't it? Sounds good to me. Um, I certainly think we've got the cattle to do it. If it was played at the time it was supposed to be played, I don't think we would have had Jofra Archer. Um, he's uh, obviously back playing now and probably one of the best T20 bowlers in the world, so... Um, he's a big plus for us at the moment. So, yeah, I guess all the crew hopefully fit and firing and, um, you know, picked up some, some good Indian players, um, young Jay's Wall, um, obviously the experience of Robin or Tapper and a few good quicks as well. So, you know, I think we've got um, certainly the, the cattle to do, to do the job and now it's about putting it all together under pressure out in the field and, yeah, getting it done. Fascinating stuff from Steve Smith. And, of course, he'll be here shortly to play in those three one-dayers and three T20s against England up north mainly, uh, just at the early stages of September. So exciting to see how he goes now with all his workouts that he's done. He's certainly much fitter and stronger than he's ever been. So presumably he's just as insatiable as well. Maybe it's just as well he's playing the short-form game where he can't bat and bat and bat. Okay, another reminder about that show, The Last Hour, coming up on cricketer.com this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. If the game goes that far, you can access it online and it'll be on from 5.30pm every day. Hope you can join us for that. Thanks for listening.
Podcast Network.